0: Uh, good evening, I'm glad that you did come back tonight and hopefully uh, we'll share a few things that uh, will just help encourage you and, and lift you up, even though as we start it may seem like it's not the the most encouraging message, it is one that as you look at it and read through it, it, it is for the believer. So let's just take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this day that you've given us. And Father, for your many blessings. And we thank you for the opportunity to gather and just to open your word and to fellowship together. And we pray that all the things that are done, all the things that are said, may glorify you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we talked about this morning, we saw in... 1 Peter 1, where Peter encourages the believers in their security in Christ, their standing, that they have something that cannot be taken away from them. It does not diminish and it does not change, but it stands strong and we are secured by him. And then as we look at these two verses tonight, you may ask, why are we doing this? We, We know this. Well, two things. One, it's always good to remind each other of these truths. Because we get in the world, we get caught up in the things that the world feeds us and, and washes over us. And we tend to sometimes forget these truths for our lives. But then also remember the context that Peter was writing in and that we can even say we may be facing in the days to come. And I mean, when I say that, obviously it could be literally days or it could be figuratively where we're talking a few years down the road. But Peter was talking to believers who were under the threat of persecution. They're under the threat of uh, being attacked or their, their livelihoods being taken, their families being separated. And so he was encouraging them in that truth. In those times of trouble... It's easy to forget where we need to go. And so I think that's what part of what Peter's doing here in the first chapter is to go through that, encourage them in their salvation, remind them who they are and what type of life they're called to. And then in these last two verses that we're going to look at briefly tonight, he says, For all flesh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Give you a moment to get there. First Peter, chapter one, verses twenty four and twenty five, he says, "For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away; but the word of the Lord endureth forever." And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Peter here is actually reflecting back to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8, where the prophet Isaiah calls them and says that human life is like the grass of the field. It disappears, it it, it fades, it withers, and the flower thereof fadeth away. And then, of course, Isaiah says it, and Peter uh, reflects it. He says that, or... Um, echoes it. That's the word I'm looking for. He, he says that the word of God is forever. The first point I want to look at is tonight in verse 24 is life and its glory does not last. Life and its glory does not last. This morning, we kind of focused on things. Peter was talking about the things in our life, the things that we're not redeemed by, the things that we may cling to. Tonight, he becomes a little more personal when he talks about our lives. This morning with the things, I was thinking uh, this afternoon about uh, when I came out of school and I was part-time assistant pastor at a church down in Miami County, And then I also worked in a Christian bookstore down in Dayton. And I remember, kids believe this, I'm old enough, I remember when CDs came out. (laughs) The music CDs. Of course, vinyl's making a comeback with uh, a lot of people. But with the CDs, when they first came out, they advertised them as being almost indestructible. You can't scratch them. They don't corrupt. They'll last forever. Ty's yeah, shaking his head. And I found that out too. You thought, oh, this is great. You know, you invest whatever, $10, $12 in this, and you can have it for the rest of your life. But I had one of those music CDs, and within like a year and a half, it was uh, sounded like me singing. <laughs> but tonight, Peter touches on life. All flesh is as grass you know, that starts to hit home a little more. You know, as a son being raised by my mother, you know, your parents are always there. Whether you're raised by your parents, your grandparents, they're always there. And so when it's time for them to leave, it's a difficult thing. And my mom's been with the Lord for 18 years now. And I still think of her often And sometimes when we're going through life in our head, we think they're always going to be there. And just a little plug for the young ones, always appreciate your parents, your grandparents, because you don't know when they won't be there. And you have that thought in your mind. And so when that life ends, when the Lord takes them to heaven, it is a struggle. But it's a reminder that life does not last. So Peter says, all flesh is as grass. And I don't want to belabor each little word here and point, but I want to make a, a few points for you. He starts out with all, all flesh. All, we've gone over several times, you know, all is all and all that all means, you know. When you go to the Word, there's over 4,000, almost 5,000 times it appears in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And almost every single time, whether it's a positive or a negative, it means complete. It means everything. It just doesn't mean, you know, a few things here and there. I remember when I was in Bible college, I had a professor, believe it or not, I had a professor that I don't think he believed every word of the Bible. And in, in the scriptures, it says that in that day, talking about the tribulation period, the, the millennial period, all Israel will be saved. And I was talking to him about that. He said, do you really believe that means all Israel? I said, yes, in that day, all Israel will be saved. That's what it says. So whenever it talks about that, it means all. It means completeness. The first time it's used is in Genesis one twenty six in the creation Turn with me in Genesis for a minute. There's a couple verses we want to look at just very quickly. This is part of the creation early on, Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over... All the earth and every other, or excuse me, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. That's the part of the verse that all those ladies like, all those creepy things. But he says, Let them have, let mankind have dominion over all the earth. It means complete earth. Then he talks about the flesh. The flesh is physical. The flesh is about life. The flesh in general talks about all creation, all uh, livestock, all fowl of the air, all the fish of the sea. But it also especially is specifically pointing to human beings, to those who are created. So all flesh, all human beings, not our grass, but our as grass, Genesis 1.11, if you're still there, says, God, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, the fruit tree, the yielding fruit and his kind, whose seed is in itself and upon the earth. And it was so. So from Genesis to Revelation, grass appears. It's all throughout scripture, but here Peter is relating it to humankind because we look in our lives and we see Grass around us, we see the seasons where grass uh, dies or goes dormant in the winter, and then it comes alive in the spring. There's new birth, and it's uh, uh, brought about again. And so Peter uses it as an example here that all flesh is as the grass which dies. In the second half of the verse, he says that the grass withereth, It dies with age. It dies in the heat of the summer, the heat of the sun. I kind of referred to it this morning, but anybody who's been around for a while, such as myself or uh, somebody even older, we can tell you. I mean, we may laugh at it, but we wither. You know, I I get up in the morning and I, I look in the mirror And after I, you know, shocked myself and that, I I, I picked myself up and it's quite changed. You take a picture of me from high school, it's different. I mean, I still look somewhat the same, but I'm different. I look at my hands and they're not as youthful as they used to be. I've got gray in my hair. This is just for you guys that would understand if you played sports, When I was in high school, say around sophomore, junior year, I was about 185, 90 pounds, played football, wrestled, did some other things. I could bench press 300 pounds. I could squat 600 pounds. I don't think I get half of that now. Even Even if the muscles were still there, I don't think the bones, the knees would take it. It's just a fact, and that's what Peter's saying here, that all flesh is as the grass that withers. We change. So Peter here, through the Spirit, or the Spirit through Peter, is saying, all oh, life ends. And we should think accordingly. As Christians... Even those secure in salvation, we think about our lives. Okay, we have so many days. The Lord knows our life from end beginning to end, but we don't. As I referenced this morning, and I've said when I've taught to people, I don't know that I have 70 years or 80 years. I, I, I could walk out, you know, tomorrow morning and get hit by a car. Or die of a heart attack or something happen. We don't know how many days we have. For the Christian, make it count for the Lord. Make it count for him. For the unbeliever, that should be a scary thought. That all grass, all life, all human life, your life, my life, is like the grass of the field that disappears. You know, we think about it. Uh, uh, Again, I know, and I'm not trying to to preach to you guys, but yet in the same time I am. You guys are young, and I remember being in your position. You tend to think, I have 20, 30, 50, 70 years. We don't know. And you ask some of the people my age or older, how quickly did it go by? Like the grass of the field, like a season of the sun. It passes so quickly. Then Peter goes on to talk about the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. This is a really rare phrase, a really rare term that the Bible uses. The glory of man. It's almost like an oxymoron. Because usually when we see the glory in Scripture, it's the glory of God, the glory of the Godhead. Of what he's done and what he's accomplished. There's only two other places in scripture that use this in a sense. One is in Ezekiel 24, and we don't have to turn there. Ezekiel chapter 24, the prophet Ezekiel is warning Israel through God's message. He's warning them about coming judgment. And he says, all the glory of man, all the glory that you have, the joys of that glory are going to disappear, are going to be gone. It's interesting, here's maybe something for the, the ladies. And you can ask Pastor Jim, if you read this passage, you can ask Pastor Jim about it later. But in 1 Corinthians eleven seven, 7, it talks about head coverings. And it says... The wife is the glory of man. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. (laughs) But those are the two places where Scripture really kind of connects those words together. But basically what Peter is getting at here is he's saying our accomplishments, those things that we've done, those things that we think are, uh, whether you set a goal to do it and you did it, Or whether you're somebody like, um, I can't think of his name, Roy, down in Pleasant Hill, Ohio. He was a chemist and he was working on some stuff, trying to create some stuff. He came up with Teflon by accident. But I I could build monuments. I could write a a bestseller book. I could discover a cure for something. Mankind will remember me for a while, but that glory will disappear. You think about the past, and we may hold up things like the wonders of the world, the pyramids, how they accomplished those things. You, those stones, each one of those stones weighed tons. And how, in there, as we would look at it, primitive culture, how they moved those stones. And historians and archaeologists tell us in their original. Uh, state, those pyramids, were mathematically perfect. How they accomplished that. But they're disappearing. They're falling apart. You think about other ones, like the, the Norsemen, are sometimes referred to as the Vikings. How they created a ship that could withstand the the weathers of the sea, the storms of the sea, and they go to Greenland from their home in Norway or Scandinavia. All those accomplishments, even on a lighter note, I think if you watch Britain's Got Talent or America's Got Talent, especially with some of those magicians, I know a lot of it's sleight of hand, some of it I think something else. But you watch some of that, it's like, how'd they do that? How are they able to create that or to to predict that? All those things, the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. It's beautiful in its season. It's wonderful in what it accomplishes. But just as the grass, or excuse me, yes, just as the grass, the flesh withers, The glory of man falleth away, Peter says. Here's another thought. Talks about all our goodness that we have. Isaiah 64, 6 says that all our goodness, all our righteousness, all our deeds that we have are like filthy rags before God. Even the best of the best that we can offer. Isn't that great? And as I said, it may sound like a downer. But again, when you bring it with the rest of the chapter we've looked at, what we have in Christ, what he's rescued us from, and we're secure in him, this should be a motivator in a way that we go out and we share with our family and our friends that message. But we also realize that our time is short... And there's a blessing in that, too. Can you imagine the turmoil that we have in this world? And I'm not just talking about the United States, but all over the world. You think things are going to get better? Could you imagine living forever in that state of continually getting worse and worse and worse? So the fact that our lives do not last forever is a blessing, especially if you're in Christ. Again, Peter is reflecting Isaiah 40, chapter 40, verses six through eight. He returns to that contrast. Again, if you read this passage again, when you go home at some point, look at all the times he's comparing and contrasting the corruptible things of the world to the incorruptible things of Christ, the impure things of the world to the the pure things uh, of the Lord. And he goes on. First, life and its glory doesn't last. The second thing we see in verse 25 is the word of the Lord is eternal. Verse 25 says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. In spite of all these things, all the flesh, withering the flowers or excuse me the the glory of man falling away but the word of the lord endureth forever and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you peter returns to this the word of the lord endures endureth if you look up that word in webster's 1828 it means to Continue in a state without changing or perishing. You know, here's my mind. First thing I thought of was a Twinkie. <laughs> I, I forget what the shelf life of a Twinkie is supposed to be. <laughs> but Peter asked something here. It's not just that the word of the Lord endures for a certain time, for a season, for a year or 20 years. He says what? The word of the Lord endureth forever. It is eternal. Even if it were possible that the world could burn or destroy every single Bible on the earth, this statement would still be true. God's word is eternal, no matter what. You know, and we see around, if you're on social media, you see that, Different uh, platforms are trying to eliminate, even in our physical world, platforms are trying to eliminate how God's word is shared in the world. How God's word is out there. They're trying to hide it and shame you from using it. But God's word is eternal. And it will be there. Eternal in truth and eternal in its purpose. Peter adds... excuse me, I'm just looking at my time here. I got another hour. (laughs) Peter adds here that this is the eternal word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Boy, that should perk us up. That should open our ears. This eternal word, it's, How the gospel, if you're a Christian this morning, or excuse me, this evening, that word is the gospel preached unto you. Turn with me to Hebrews 1, chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. I actually meant to use this one this morning, too. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, the writer says, Hath in these last days, excuse me, verse 1 and 2, God, who at sundry times and in divers manner spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the world. He's speaking of Jesus, and you remember this morning we looked at how Christ was preached, but he was manifested in our day, in their day, made plain. Christ is the living word, and the Bible is the written word. I'm going to share a few more things, but what will you do with it? What have you done with it? As an unbeliever, if you're if you've never accepted Christ this morning... This evening, what will you do with that word? You don't have forever. If you're a believer, what have you done with God's word? Have you hidden it in your heart? Are you sharing it with others? Let me read just a brief paragraph from one of my commentaries, which kind of succinctly brings this together of what Peter is talking about in these last two verses He says, what Peter has said, or just said, he confirms without quotation from Isaiah 46-8. This passage draws contrast between all human beings, literally all flesh, and the words of God. The former represent the grass and have beauty like the flowers that spring up amid the grass. Everyone knows that the grass withers and dies, and so do its flowers. So, too, human beings will perish. And all that they have to boast of will perish with them. Only the word of God will remain permanently. And what he promises will be fulfilled. In chapter 2, Peter goes on to talk about the foundation. Building on the foundation of Christ. Building your life and the church and your family around that foundation. All through Chapter 1, he's using the compare and contrasting to help us understand there's not even a comparison, really, between salvation and Christ and the world. You have a choice, but it's really no choice at all. There's no comparison. Tonight, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Do you walk with him daily? I'd encourage you to take that step if you haven't. If not, as a believer, and I know most of you here, and I believe that you have taken that step, what are you doing daily as you relate to the world, as you relate to your friends, as you relate to your family members? Maybe some of you have cousins, and despite what they're encouraging us to do. Maybe you'll get together for Thanksgiving. Sometimes those can be tough times if you have different views. How are you doing with that? How are you walking each day? Again, we have a limited time. Let's use it for his glory. Let's use it to encourage others and to see his name lifted up. Life doesn't last, but the word of God does. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you again for your word and just all that you share, Lord, and in this imperfect vessel that tried to share the uh, message that Peter conveys, that you convey through Peter. I pray that there would be some things, some points, some message that would encourage and and, uh, motivate somebody here.